welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. We are continuing our series on the 23rd Psalm, and today we're looking at verse 5, and I just want to say how excited I am that we're using technology to be multi-site and to uh, live stream this, and of course, make it available as a podcast. And I just want to say, if you're watching this live stream or podcast, I'd love to see you uh, Instagram this and tag us in the photo, uh, maybe tweet about it. And uh, because I love to see where people are watching, whether it's on vacation or at the cabin or at home or a hospital. I've seen all these different examples. And if you have no clue about Instagram or tagging me or tweeting, just write me a note, okay? Just write me a note. Let me know that you watch it somewhere else. All right. But anyways, uh, just want to dig into Psalm 23, verse 5. And uh, if you remember, I said we want to use King James Version in this series and not the message, especially for this. And I'm not opposed to the message, but I just think it misses the meaning. And this verse is one of those ones that just jumped out at me that it really is different than I believe the intended meaning of the the psalmist. And in in the message in verse five, it says, you serve me a six course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head. My cup brims with blessing. Okay. Now that leads us down a road that I think just gets us into wrong thinking when we need to understand what the psalmist was writing And the King James Version is actually going to help us to understand a little better. It says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Now, I want to let you know that when it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, it means nothing like the Message Version says, You prepare a six-course dinner for me in front of my enemies. I mean, the Message Translation makes it sound like you and I someday are going to be eating a feast in front of all the people that we don't like, okay? And as much as some of you relish that thought, it's not a godly thought, okay? Just get rid of that, all right? You know, because, I mean, here's the thing. I don't like the way we think with that because, first of all, it's not what the Bible really means. And second of all, that's just terrible, destructive thinking for a church to embrace, Uh, Think about this. If you were going to say, like, those of us that love Jesus are going to eat and, like, taunt those that don't love Jesus, that's an us-against-them mentality. And I don't like that. I don't like that at all. And I don't think that uh, we we realize before we were us, we were part of them, okay? And we need to love them and ask them to be part of us, okay? So let's never take on that mentality of God's blessings are for us and boo on you. Instead, it's like God blesses us and we want you to be part of what God is blessing. So in this translation, in the King James Version, it's it's a much closer uh, translation to what the psalmist meant. 
And when he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, here's what he meant. He didn't mean a table like a dining room table. He meant like a mesa. He meant like the Spanish word for table. He meant like plateau, like you're climbing a mountain and there's a mesa, a flat area instead of a pinnacle. There's a flat area where the sheep could graze. And the psalmist is understanding that he's got the sheep in one area, but he's bringing them up to a higher level and he's going to prepare that table land. He's going to prepare that land for where the sheep are going, okay? And you've got to understand that the shepherd would actually make multiple trips up to the table land and get it ready for the sheep to go there. The first trip he would go, uh, maybe he'd be partnering with somebody, say, you watch the sheep here. I'm going to go up and look at the land where we're going to bring them up to the table, and I'm going to go prepare it. And the first trip, he'd go around and look to see where the water source was. He'd look to see where the predators' dens were and say, okay, that's where they're over there. We don't have the sheep near there. They're, they're vulnerable here. And he'd be taking just inventory of all this and trying to see where he was going to go. That was the first trip. The second trip, right before the sheep were ready to go to the table land, he'd bring salt and minerals and place them around exactly where he needed the sheep to be so he could have them in those areas. He'd go and actually uh, just make it safer where the predators were, maybe put up obstacles, set traps. He would go and uncover the water supply. He would go in and cut down some brush so that the sheep could get right up to the water, make it easy for them as they were coming up to the table. Another thing that the shepherd would do is he'd look for anything that was poisonous because there were plants that were poisonous and he knew that if the sheep eat those plants, they're going to die. So he'd cut them down, eradicate them, do whatever he could. There was one plant in particular that had amazingly beautiful white flowers on it. And if the sheep would eat that, if they would eat that plant, especially if they were a lamb, uh, just a little one or lightweight the poison was so toxic that they would immediately be paralyzed, fall over, and die. So the shepherd would say, I've got to get rid of those plants. I've got to watch out for the predators. I've got to put the salt and, and minerals in places where the sheep will go and congregate, and I want to keep them safe. And so he's preparing the table before they even get there. And I, I think just you can see the correlation here and how it applies to us. I mean, think about it. We are like sheep. And God is preparing a place for us and he's getting rid of all these things and the toxic poison. And he's saying, stay away, this leads to death. And how many know we are just dumb like sheep? We're like, but it looks good. And the Lord's like, no, that'll kill you. But it looks good. And he's like, no, I've cut most of it down, but I found some over here. And then we, you know what I mean? We are just dumb like that and we eat it. And there's just warning after warning in the Bible, don't do that, it'll lead to spiritual death. And we still try it. And I'm telling you, listen to what the shepherd's saying. Understand that he's saying, stay away from those things. I'm preparing it. I'm trying to get it ready for you. And, and some of you are just wandering after the poisonous plants and, and the rod of God, like we talked about last week, is whizzing by your head, you know, you know, and you're like, I'm still gonna eat it anyway. You know, don't do that. <laughs> Hear that God is preparing a place and he's removing poison. He's, he's getting it safe for you to be there. He's doing all these things and he's preparing all this for us. And sometimes we think, well, Lord, it doesn't look like you eliminated everything, but he eliminates a lot. He eliminates a lot of the bad that is out there and he gets us ready and keeps us safe from the predators and he's eliminating these things. And I love what Pastor Randy Elkhorn said. He wrote a book, If God is Good, and he just talks about struggles and tragedies. 
And he said, you know, we're going through life and then something bad happens. And we say, why God? And we wonder, why do these bad things happen? And he said, I believe that God is preparing our life in advance for us. And I think he's actually holding back like 90% of the bad. And we're only living in 10% of the bad. It's like he's got rid of 90% of the poison and 90% of the disease. And if all the diseases really went as fast as they could, we'd be overtaken. And God's like holding back disease and holding back these other things and keeping these away from us. And we're just living in a 10% of bad. And God's holding back all these other things. I think that's what he's doing. He's preparing a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He's preparing the next spot you and I need to go to. And he's saying, I've got it. And he's holding back a whole bunch of bad. And instead of getting focused on the one bad thing that happens, we should be realizing we had all these years of good, then a bad thing, then years of good, then a bad thing, then years of good. And he's saying, I'm holding back so much. I'm blessing you in so many ways. Don't lose perspective. I'm preparing this. I'm going before you. I'm going before you. Now, Moses really understood this because people in the Bible understood God has to go ahead of us. Moses was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he's doing this. There's a moment in there where Moses and God are dialoguing, and in Exodus chapter 33, verses 14 and 15, it says, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. He's saying, if your presence isn't going with us, we don't want to go there. If you're not going ahead of us, if you're not taking care of us, we don't want to go there. You need to go ahead of us and prepare the land and prepare our next battle or area that we're going to live in. If you don't, we don't want to go there. And Moses so understands this that later on in life, he's talking to Joshua. And in Deuteronomy 31, he's basically telling Joshua, get ready. God goes before you and he prepares the place. And so as you're getting ready to go into the promised land, realize God is already preparing things for you before you get there. And in Deuteronomy 31, 6 through 8, it says, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified or afraid because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the presence of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors ancestors to give to them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself, catch this, goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged." So Moses is understanding this, and he's telling Joshua, do you understand this land that God has for you, this next table, if you will, God's going before you, he's preparing it, he's getting it ready, and don't ever think that he's not doing this for you, because he is doing this, and he's with you, he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. It's kind of an amazing thought. In the New Testament, we catch this same idea that Jesus is saying, I've prepared this next spot for you, Peter. Where you're going, I've already prepared it, and I've made it so you won't be destroyed. When Peter was going to face the temptation of denying Christ and Jesus is about to be crucified, in Luke 22, verses 31 and 32, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. He's basically saying, Simon, I know what's going to happen up ahead. And I've been preparing the table for you. I've been preparing the way for you. I'm praying. Satan wanted to sift you and destroy you, but I prayed for you and I fought the battle and I prepared the place where you're going. You're going to make it. And when you get through it, come back and feed and take care of your brothers in Christ. 
Man, that's going before us and preparing the place for us. Now, the shepherd had to watch out for lions and bears and all these other things. And, and there's all these other things that we have. We have an adversary, the Bible says, the devil that wants to destroy us. There are people that actually can't stand us. And the Bible tells us that God's going to take care of us. And in the presence of all these things that want to destroy us, he's preparing it. He's taking care of us. And even though there are bad things that happen, you say, well, bad things still happen. You know, there are, it's just a small portion. And, and my advice would be this, just stay close to the shepherd. You know, if there's going to be bad things, I just want to be close to the shepherd. I want to be the last one eaten. That's all I'm saying. All right. Be close to the shepherd. All right. Part two of this. There's actually three parts of this uh, verse in this sermon here. Second part, thou anointest my head with oil. Okay. And uh, in Eastern culture, when you would have a guest that would come to your home, you would actually anoint them with oil. Now, this is a way of kind of bathing them, of, of giving them a new smell. You know, maybe they came from the road and they didn't have, you know, the showering and all this that we do. And so they come in. And so as part of the welcome to our tent, welcome to our home, you would actually welcome your guests and anoint them with oil because it, was, it would smell good. And then the whole room for the dinner would smell good. It was like, it was like a, a special blessing or a time of honor for this person, if you will. And I guess our modern-day equivalent would be uh, if you've been at a restaurant where they come over and they bring you like a hot towel with some lemon, you know, and you're kind of like washing your hands off. You're like, oh, that's really cool. This meal's going to be expensive, you know? You're just like, this is going to be good. You're like, mm, smell my hands. It's, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's, something's going on here. And so in this culture, there's like a way of saying, hey, we're getting ready to eat. Everybody's going to smell good in this, and it's good. But I don't want you to miss this as well. Oil was symbolic of the Holy Spirit. All throughout the Bible, oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And there's all sorts of things that oil does that the Holy Spirit does. Um, oil smooths things. Oil brightens things. It makes it shine. Oil makes things smell good. And I think these are all beautiful just examples of what the Holy Spirit does. And I need you to understand that when it says, you anoint my head with oil, it wasn't just a ceremonial thing that was going on. The shepherd had a purpose for this. The shepherd had a purpose because here's what would happen. In the summer, when the sheep were walking around, uh, the flies would come out. How many know that? When you're around livestock, there are flies all over. And so the summer, we've got flies, we've got mosquitoes. And so sheep would have all these flies that would come around them and bother them and gnats and different things. And uh, the, the shepherd would actually take a mixture of oil, sulfur, and tar, and he would actually put it on the sheep's head. Okay, it would serve as a way of keeping away the bad bugs. And it was especially important for them to do this for the nasal fly. Okay, and this might get a little gross for just a minute, but we're going somewhere with it, all right? All right. <laughs> the nasal fly, just like the sound or the words are, um, the nasal fly would land on the sheep's nose and lay the eggs just inside the nose. Okay. The, yeah, you're like, uh, we are going somewhere, all right? And then the little larvae would go and go up the nasal passage and attach on the inside of the sheep's head. This hurt, okay? And so the sheep would start going crazy, like something is in my head that shouldn't be there. And so the sheep would bob their heads up and down, up and down, like, this is not good. There is something in there that should not be there. And if they were really bothered by it, they'd go and bash their head against the rock, causing themselves harms, harm. And then they, if they were really you know, in pain, they'd be running around trying to get rid of this, even to the point that they would lose their life. They would almost, if you will, take their life because the pain was so bad in their head. So when the psalmist, when the shepherd would put this oil on their head, 
he would take care of this so that the bugs would stay away, the bugs would not be able to attach, the sheep would be fine, and they could be back to peace and eating. Now, you and I don't have to worry about nasal flies, okay? But we do have to worry about different things. We have to worry about mind flies, we have to worry about mind flies because here's what happens. The devil starts coming along and throws impure thoughts into your mind and you're not supposed to be there. And they take up lodging and they latch in there like, this is not the way I'm supposed to live for Christ. And then bitterness can come in. There are all sorts of things. Anger, there can be greed, there can be doubt, there can be fear, there can be jealousy, there can be depression. And it's not supposed to be in there. And you see people that are tormented by this because, you know, it's like these mind flies are just buzzing around. And, and, and it's interesting. One of the names for the devil is Beelzebub, which means Lord of the flies. Lord of the flies. Okay. So Beelzebub has got these mind flies that are coming after you and they're buzzing up, anger. And you're like, ah, get that away. You know, and impure thoughts and all these things and depression. And you're thinking, how in the world am I going to do this? What is my shepherd going to do for me? I don't want these things in there. And maybe those thoughts are in your mind right now and you're listening to me and those thoughts are there and you're like, I gotta get these things out. I, I need some help. I need to be taken care of. Don't miss this. The power of the Holy Spirit can deliver you from those things. That's the oil of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is anointing you and giving you the strength and the battle power to fight against those things and to bring captive every thought that's in there. You don't have to have those mind flies bringing you to the depths of depression. You don't have to have those mind flies destroying you with anger or impure thoughts or jealousy or whatever. God's given you the power of the Holy Spirit to fight against this. And I think we need to realize the power of the Holy Spirit is real. We need the power of the Holy Spirit now more than ever. And I need to encourage you to go to the Holy Spirit retreat, understand what we mean about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. There is power available for you in this anointing oil to fight against the mind flies that the devil wants to trip you up with. It's there, okay? In Jude verse 20, it says, but you, dear friends, by building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit... There's an ability when you're praying in your prayer language by praying in the Holy Spirit that you have this greater understanding. The Holy Spirit is active and, and you're praying things that you don't even understand, but the Holy Spirit is fighting on your behalf and interceding in a way that is just an anointing level. And I, I, I'm just so strong about this. We need the anointing of the Holy Spirit on our church if, if like never before. I think God's given us two things to uh, just shine forth in this world, love and the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can't, you can't leave them on the side. It's love and the power of the Holy Spirit, and we need both. Now, it, one last part here in this. My cup runneth over. And let me just say this about the Holy Spirit. Um, we, we anoint with oil here in prayer. And at the end of the service, I just want to ask that the prayer teams to be ready for this. Um, we anoint with oil. Oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. We may take a little oil on our finger. If you're sick and you're asking for prayer, the Bible talks about anointing those that are sick with oil. It's just symbolic of saying, Holy Spirit, we need more. We need you to supernaturally touch our body. And they may take that oil and just put a little bit on your forehead or a little bit on your hand. If you're adverse to having it on your forehead, we're okay with where you, know, you want to have that. But it's a way of saying, I am needing more of the Holy Spirit. I need a touch from God, and I need to be anointed to overcome what I'm facing. Okay, so the last part of this verse, my cup runneth over. Again, another thing about Eastern culture, um, 
When you'd have a guest, you'd anoint them with oil so they'd smell good. And then when you'd give them their first glass of whatever you're drinking, wine or whatever it was for the first drink, here's what you would do as the host. You would take this and you'd give them the cup and you would pour their cup and you would on purpose fill it to overflowing so it'd spill. And you know what you're saying to your guest? Hey, when you're in my tent, when you're in my house, I got more than enough. When you're with me, you're going to live in abundance. I got what you need, so much so it can spill on the ground right now. We're not even worried because your cup's going to run over in this house. That's incredible. That, that's, that right there, my cup runs over. The psalmist understood, like, my cup is running over. You got more than I need. You can take care of me. There's more where that came from. And it's important that you have to hear this. My cup runs over. It doesn't say the cup, a cup, my parents' cup. It doesn't say my pastor's cup. It says my cup runs over. And in case you're wondering about that, I'm doing really good. A lot of people were worried about me last week with that sermon. They're like, Pastor Rob, you doing okay? No temptation to drink or anything like that? You're all good? You're good? All right, I'm good. Cup's running over. It's all good, all right? But it's not my cup. There's not just special blessings for me. It's your cup. Everyone's cup is running over. Turn to your neighbor and say, my cup is running over. Here in all of our campuses, turn and say, my cup is running over. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 11. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist puts it, he throws caution to the winds, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living, right giving ways never run out, never wear out. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. God's got more than enough. Your cup is running over. He's got more than enough blessing. And if he's taking care of you and he's your good shepherd, he's got more than you need. This past week, we got invited to go to a life group and uh, it was a lot of fun. Becca and I were just guests at this life group and uh, it worked out in our schedule. So we popped in and blown away, just loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, And if you're not in a life group, you're missing a chunk of what God has created you for. You need to get in a life group because it was just amazing hearing the stories and the testimonies and just the encouragement and the prayer for one another. And um, we were at this life group and I don't even remember the name of it. I think it was like get to know you or something, but they meet at restaurants and get to know each other. And I said they should call it meet and meet, just change the E and the A, you know, but anyways, but meet and meet, we met at Famous Dave's and some of you are like, just getting that. All right. But we met at Famous Dave's. We actually, Famous Dave was there that day, which was just kind of, didn't plan it that way, but we met him and said, here's our life group and talked to him about church and he's a believer. And anyways, so we're doing this and during dinner, they're sharing and One of the guys that's there is just sharing about who he was before he met Jesus and that his life was radically changed when he came to the Lord and came to faith. And then one of our pastors, uh, Pastor Anthony, had the courage to confront him about a situation that he was in. And the guy's like, I'm going to stand up for God. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to do this. And he took a bold step for God. And uh, he said, man, he said, since I've been living for God, I'm just getting blessing after blessing after blessing. And this is what he said. He said, since I've been serving God, God's just been spoiling me with good. I just can't believe how much God is spoiling me. I thought that was so good. And, And he wasn't just talking about money. He was saying, God has spoiled me with a great marriage, great kids, great friends, great job. Like he's, he's realizing my cup is running over. 
And he said, I didn't even know it could be this good. Man, it's so good. Your cup is running over. And if your cup is running over, let me give you three things about this. You should be thankful in your speech and in your prayer that your cup runs over. You should be talking to people about how good God is. You should be talking like Dennis saying, I I can't believe the way God is spoiling me. He is blessing me and blessing me. It's unbelievable what God has done in my life. You should verbally be saying that. And in prayer, you should be saying this, that you should be just saying, God, I thank you for your blessings. You're so good. And I want to make sure you always know that I'm grateful. I'm grateful that my cup runs over. The psalmist said in Psalm 68, 19, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. God is loading you down with benefits and you need to say thank you. We need to be the most generous, grateful people saying thank you, God, that our cup runs over. Second thing, be generous in every way. I believe it becomes our obligation to pass on the blessing. If God is filling our cup and he's saying, I got more than enough, I've got more, every blessing you have, God is saying over and again, over again, I have more than enough. I have more than enough. I have more where that came from. And he says, will you trust me? Will you be a good steward of what I've given you? And we can be generous on every occasion and say, God, I'll tithe. And tithing is a way of saying, I understand everything comes from you. My cup is flowing over because of you anyways. And I trust you that there's more where that came from. And I'll do that. I'll be generous with kingdom builders. I'll be generous with missions. I'll be generous with benevolence. I am going to be generous on every occasion because I realize there's more where that came from. Third thing with this, I think we need to increase our capacity for generosity. I think we need to live in a way realizing that if our cup is overflowing, we want a bigger cup. That's what I want. I want a bigger cup. So I want to share more and give more out. So God's like, I'm going to give you a bigger cup. I'm going to fill that one too. I've got more than enough for you and I'm going to keep doing this. Rabbi Kushner, who wrote a book on the 23rd Psalm, said this about this part of the scripture, your cup runneth over. He said, we should be increasing our generosity and realizing how grateful we are for everything that God has given us. And a way to increase our generosity is to look at even simple things and thank God for them. He said, in the first three minutes of the Jewish liturgy, the worshiper is reminded to to realize that he's grateful that he's alive. When's the last time you just woke up and said, God, thank you, it's another day. I get to live this day and make a difference. The worshiper was reminded that his body works and he should be thankful for that. Some of us need to wake up and say, God, all right, there's no pains, you know. I'm good. Thank you, God, that my body works. The worshiper was reminded that he has food to eat and clothes to wear. Maybe you're standing in your closet and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to wear today. Oh, there's so many choices. When was the last time you just said, God, thank you. Thank you. I got stuff to wear. This is incredible. He should be thankful within the first three minutes that he has things to do today. I mean, waking up saying, God, thank you that I have a job. Thank you that I get to go make a difference. Thank you that I have something to do today that you created me with a purpose. And he should be reminded that he's grateful that he has friends to share the day with. Man, that's just within the first three minutes of the liturgy. I think we should be thankful in everything, simple things, all these times. Be so thankful. I would love if our church was writing thank you notes and emails and just always generous, thankful, thankful, grateful. Yes, we're so appreciative of all that's happened. And here's what happens. When you start being more generous, when you start being more grateful, the Bible says that your world gets bigger. Proverbs 11, verses 24 and 25 says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. 
The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. And I'm saying, God, I want to increase my generosity. I want to increase my gratefulness. I want to say, God, if I can increase this, I want to do it. I'll be grateful for all sorts of things. I'll never forget to say thank you. I'll, I'll praise your name. I'll be generous when you move me and you touch me and you say, take care of that. I'll, I'll give. I'll do this. I'll do that. I want to increase my capacity to be generous. Luke 6.38 says, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will be poured into your lap. Think about that. My cup runneth over so much so it's pouring into my lap. I'm like, I need a bigger lap, all right? You know, it's, it's, it's right there. It says, for the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Man, I want a big cup. I want to say, God, here's a cup, and I want to pour it on them. Fill it up. Pour it over here. Pour it over there. I want to do that. That's the way I want to live. Amazing, amazing stuff here. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. I don't know about you, but as I've been going through this series, this is just getting a hold of me. I'm just loving God more. I'm understanding him more. I'm realizing that he's taking care of me. And it's, it's amazing to be called his son or daughter. What an amazing privilege. He's our shepherd. He's our heavenly father. He's taking care of us. And this is absolutely amazing. So Lord, I pray right now that we'd realize how amazing it is that you prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You're, you're getting things ready before we're even there. There's no animosity towards anybody that doesn't believe the same as us. We want them to believe this way and we want them to understand how much you love them. We're not taunting anyone. Instead, we're overcoming temptation and struggles and things that are going on because you're preparing the area that we're going to next. You're, you're the great shepherd and you're getting it ready for us. You anoint our head with oil, Lord, and I want to come back to that. And it says, my cup runs over. And so God, we thank you that we have a cup that overflows and I pray we'd be generous on every occasion. May this church be just defined by generosity and gratefulness. We're so appreciative. We're so uh, looking forward to another opportunity to give and say, God, as our cup grows, we wanna just let it overflow to the next need and the next need and God help us to be generous. But lastly, I do pray, Lord, that you'd anoint our head with oil. There are mind flies that I know this body is facing. There are struggles because of the things we've let into our mind. We've let things take up residence there, things that we know shouldn't be there. We've brought in things into our mind that we know are destructive. And now we're saying, God, help us to overcome those mind flies. Help us to overcome guilt and anger and jealousy and depression and these things that destroy us. And I pray and take authority over these things in Jesus' name that the power of the Holy Spirit will help set people free from this. They'll no longer be bound by these things. They'll no longer be tempted to take their life. They'll no longer be tempted to throw in the towel, to give it all up. They'll no longer do harm to themselves because these mind flies are in there, but they're going to take every thought captive. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, they're going to live in the victory that is available to them. And I'm thanking you for this, Lord. I'm thanking you for this, Lord. We love you. You're our good shepherd. We want to follow you all the days of our life. Thank you, God, that you take care of us so well. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.